Welcome back to the Punt Return Podcast. It has been a massive week of NFL football. One that uh, I am going to heavily rely on my co-host this week, Ryan Lepore, to give you details on because full transparency, I was not expecting to do this podcast tonight. I was expecting to be on an aeroplane on the way to Philadelphia for the Phillies in the World Series. And as we sit here tonight, I am heartbroken but proud. It's been a good year, not a great year, unfortunately. And uh, anyway, silver lining is that I'm still here to do this podcast with you, Ryan. How are you, mate? How's your leg? Mate, um, I'm get, I'm going all right, but I do feel for you, mate. I, I really wish I wasn't sitting here talking. I wish you were on a plane. Um, yeah, pretty pretty rough result, obviously, to lose game six and seven at home. Um, and I, I, we were, I was almost going to bring it up last week, but in case of jinxing it and Unfortunately, it's gone the other way. But uh, anyway, we're here to tell the tale, and um, hopefully next year, mate, I'll, I'm jumping on the Phillies bandwagon with you and Wake and Rock joining It's it's a fan base like no other. I think in in world sports, I think the Phillies fans are are something different. I mean, Philly sports in general are, are something different, but the Phillies the Phillies fans at Citizens Bank Park is something different. And like you said, to lose two games at home after the season we've had at home, just dominant at home. Uh, is just so disappointing. Uh, but what are you going to do? We're fans. We don't control what happens out on the out on the field. Uh, but uh, we'll get stuck into into some football because it is football season. And luckily enough, I've got three more months until the Eagles can break my heart again. So we'll uh, we'll get stuck in. And, and why don't we start? Why don't we start with the Eagles? That was a good. That's that's. A, let's bring a smile back to your face, mate, because they they were great. I thought um, they're still a benchmark <laughs> and potentially a step ahead of, of teams like the Dolphins at the moment. And I don't know, I just thought it was really complete performance by the Eagles, very workmanlike, you know, which has kind of been the case for the Eagles for over the last 18 months. But, yeah, really strong win. And, and to see, it in, see them in those Kelly Green uniforms, mate, they looked a million bucks. But, uh, look, they were, they were excellent. And, um, you know, when they were challenged, the Dolphins came back hitting hard to get get level. Um, the Eagles flexed their muscles and, and show what a powerhouse they are and, and why they're probably, well, I think now, uh, after the Niners lost, they're obviously the number one team in the NFC as it stands right now. And um, they're looking good again. But um, there are some challenges coming and coming hard. But, uh, yeah, I th- what did you think of the performance? I think it was, like I said, I think it was a really strong one. I think all kind of facets of the game worked well. You got a few players back, which we helped, but... Uh, yeah, what did you think of the performance, mate? Look, I, I think you're, you're right. It was a workmanlike performance. They did what they had to do. I think, you know, defensively, they showed, you know, that they're legit. You know, like, I mean, we've known that. I don't think that was really a question. But defensively, the Eagles are, are legitimate. And, and that's going to carry them a long way. And and I think when you, you – there were some question marks, especially around that Dolphins offense. And, and could the Eagles if – the, if they're – offense isn't firing could the defense carry them uh against the the high power dynamic offense of, of Miami and I think they answered those questions and and so I think we're pretty confident now that you know the Eagles are going to be thereabouts despite not being at 100 percent despite not firing on all cylinders uh etc cetera, etc cetera. As, as we've been saying for the last kind of you know six or seven weeks um offensively I think it was probably a step forward I think you know starting to move the ball a little bit better AJ Brown's just on a heater at the moment, which is is incredible. Um, I don't think in in my lifetime there's been an Eagles receiver 
on a run like AJ Brown is at the moment. I mean, he's just got everything. He's got pace. He's got power. He's got athleticism. He can jump. He can catch. He can run. He can block. He can hit. Like the guy's just an incredible player. And the fact that that the Titans gave him up for what was pick eighteen or something, um, and they mm. could they could dearly use a big bodied receiver, couldn't they? I mean, they're <laughs> they're struggling, but and he's the perfect piece for 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 the Eagles. He's the perfect partner for for Devonta Smith and and Jalen Hurts, um, and I think he's kind of the perfect player for Philly. And and you know Philly loves a bit of an underdog, and um, they love a guy who works hard and hits hard and and does all those things. And he's fun to watch. He's really fun to watch. But but even saying that, you know, the Eagles' offense still isn't there. They're still not the unit that we saw last season. Um, and you know they've they've got a few more steps to take to to get to that point. But again, I think you know doing doing the right things at the right time um, and just doing enough to get the job done is is enough at the moment and, and still got plenty of time to, you know, get all the pieces working in, in harmony again. Uh, but it was another step in the right direction. I think just another one of those performances that that does bring back a little bit of the confidence that, that was lost, you know, against the Jets. Um, and, you know, if, if nothing else, the Kelly Green was phenomenal. I mean, how good, how good is that uniform? Yeah, it's elite. And look, one of the best in the league. It, it, it makes you wonder why they why they couldn't go back to that as a full-time kit. But uh, look. They yeah, should. They, they should. should. I suppose it is um, it is good for these kind of retro games and, and to kind of bring it back every now and then and not overdo it. But it wouldn't look out of place at the moment or well, in, in the league for sure. Mm. But I mean, look, I think the only kind of concern for me is that Jalen Hurts is, is throwing more interceptions you know, than he was last year. But um, the O-line hasn't been as, as strong. It's still obviously very good. But I don't know. There's just been some bad decisions or bad throws by by Hertz. But, look, obviously he's still got um, – he, he ended the day with another couple of touchdowns, one rushing. He's with the, with the famous tush push, of course. And as long as you've got that play, mate, you guys are, are going to be set. So any third and inches, fourth and inches, you know what's coming. So and and no one can stop it. And everyone's powerless to stop it. And I can't believe the noise about trying to ban it. But um, you know, when Tom Brady was doing it, the quarterback sneak, he was lauded for it, and it'll, and now they want to ban it. So That's look, right. It's, it's, it's weird, but um, now nah, look, I think the Eagles are great, and 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 probably clearly, you know, one of the best in the NFC, if not the whole league, and um. Like you said, that defense is legitimate and it's going to carry them a long way. But and it's and and gotten better, I think, as well. Kevin mm. Bayard uh, from the yes, Titans, that's another another yes. another uh, bargain, I think, from from the Titans. He's a Philly boy. He's born and bred in in Pennsylvania. There you go. Um, and uh, yeah, just he's just another one of those hard workers. Big body, works hard, trains hard, plays hard. I'm looking forward to seeing him in the secondary. Not, not, I don't think he's past his prime at all. Like, look, he, he's, his best seasons were a couple of years ago when he was an all-pro and he, he's a, he's still a star. I don't think he's a superstar by any stretch of the imagination, but he's still a star and he's going to complement that defense extremely well. And, and especially, um, you know, the, yeah, it looks like he fleeced the Titans again. So, which, you know. The secondary did need help. Like, let's be honest, that was, that was one part of the defense mm. that had been, had been getting beaten more, more often. Um, and so I think it's just it's just a really shrewd move. They didn't overpay, I don't think. Um, and I think he's just a guy that's going to fit in really well with with the guys that are in there um, and, and allow you know guys like um, big big play Slater to make big plays. So 
Um, yeah, I think it's a really good move and and really looking forward to seeing Kevin Bayard in in uh, Eagles green again. Um, but from from a positive, I guess I wanted to ask you about something you've you've mentioned here in in our run sheet around the worst officiating of all time. Walk us walk us through that. Goodness me, um, that was one of the worst endings to a game I've ever seen, and I, I really do feel for for the Colts and and their fans after watching that. Um, there's no doubt. There has to be an bit. Well, I don't know if there has been, but it's it would be shocking to me if they didn't investigate um, a few things in that game because some of the calls at the end of that game where the Colts looked like they'd won it twice, only for a, a flag to be thrown and oh, just really disappointing way to finish the game. And um, it was a shootout somehow. I don't know how the score ended up as it did, but it was two defensive team like yeah, thirty points I mean, each. We so. saw some. Amazing plays on defense from both play, from both teams, in particular, Miles Garrett and the uh, the block field goal. I don't know if you saw that when he literally jumped over the um, the Indianapolis Colts line. It was incredible. One of the most athletic plays you'll ever see on a football field, and the man is just a gigantic unit. So for him to do that was just special. And he had another huge day. But I think um, more to the point, the talking points out of that game was obviously how it finished with the officiating and a really, really questionable flag that was thrown on um, illegal contact on Amari Cooper in the end zone after they did sack um, what would have been a, a game, um, game-winning game strip sack uh, on Gardner, uh, on PJ Walker. And then obviously the, the flag as well that got thrown in the end zone um, with the ball was about 10, 12 feet over the receiver's head out of the, at the back of the end zone. It was a completely uncatchable ball. Um, and to throw that flag and give give the Browns another first down on the on the one yard line was inexcusable. So they were gifted that game. The Browns, um, I don't know how again they found themselves in that situation with how the defense is playing. How are they allowed over thirty points by the Colts with that defense? It's just mind boggling. And Deshaun Watson again on his return looked disgraceful. I watched the start of that game. He threw one for five, uh, including a pick. And then on the throw that he got knocked out of the game was he was picked off. But the Colts um, defender somehow inexplicably didn't catch the ball properly and hit the ground. The point of the ball hit the turf. So it, it should have been really, it was two interceptions in my mind and <laughs> from five throws. And he, the guy got knocked out of the game. He just looks like, I don't know what he looks like, but he he is all over the shop and um, the Browns are better off without him at the moment. Um which is staggering to say how much money's tied up to him. So, yeah, it's Sounds such like an interesting space for the Browns at the moment. And, um, yeah, we'll talk about it a bit later, but a huge week eight matchup against the Seahawks, who are right in the wheelhouse of, of you know, a contending team like them, you know, like the second run of teams that can make a difference in the NFL. And at four and two, it's a, it's a huge, huge watch game for me. Speaking of of watch games coming up and and I guess disappointing performances, your Bills, mate. What happened? The Pats, <laughs> absolutely devastating to see that kind of result. And I, again, it's just been left up to too few. And and Josh Allen having to to scramble and do everything in the last minutes to try and get them get them going. It was a, another really really bad start. Um, three points in the first half against the Pats who have just been awful the last number, couple of weeks. But look, I know the injuries are starting to mount on that Bills defense, but um, 
the offense is pretty pretty healthy and and unfortunately they just can't get things clicking at the moment and um yeah it's it's a hard one it's a hard been a hard watch for for the bills fans um Josh Dorsey Dorsey's kind of coming under the microscope as the offensive coordinator at the moment um you know with all that talent on the on the roster he needs to be getting things done again the running the running game was a little bit um it was better it was better but it was still not good enough um well under 100 yards again by by the team um rushing the football uh, and Josh Allen again was 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 asked to do too much he was only sacked once but they just couldn't get anything going um Stefan Diggs barely had a sniff until the last quarter where he, he showed some magic and got into the end zone to give give the Bills a chance. But, um, yeah, pretty disappointing to allow. Once they hit the lead, I think oh, they've escaped the, escaped again like they did against the Giants last week. But to, to the Patriots' credit and Mac Jones, he, he led that last touchdown drive and that could be a really, really costly loss in the, in the makeup of the season for the Bills, um, especially against a divisional opponent. Um, they had a chance to 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 go to number one, uh, to to the top of the standings in the AFC East with a win with the Dolphins' loss. So yeah, hugely disappointing for the Bills who look all at sea the last fortnight. Now you mentioned the health of the offense. There is a there is a big injury which could have have an impact for on a number of levels. A obviously for the the Bills' offense in Dawson Knox uh, is going to be out for a couple of weeks at least. Yeah. Uh, and so Dalton Kincaid gonna gonna step up to the to being the number one tight end. If anyone's playing uh, daily fantasy fantasy where Dalton Kincaid is available um, in in daily fantasy where he might be a cheaper option, you gotta play Dalton Kincaid this week against the Bucks because they are awful against tight ends, um, and he could he could be in line for a very very big game. Uh, the youngster in Buffalo. Yeah, the rookie had a great game on the weekend. He had eight catches, led the team. But, um, yeah, disappointing to, to lose Knox in that game. But um, in terms of terms of the injuries on the offensive front, he's pretty much the first one to go down, um, which is, which is you know, it's a shame that he has got that injury. But like I said, they've been relatively healthy on that side of the ball, the Bills, and, and while they've been losing a lot of key personnel on, on the defensive side. But, uh, look, there's, um, there's definitely big concerns in, in Buffalo. I still think... They'll go into. Uh, they'll get. They'll get back at home this week um, up against the Bucks. They should be winning that. But then that sets up a, a huge matchup in Cincinnati the following week. Um, mm. Then they've got Eagles, Chiefs, Cowboys all on the schedule before the end it's of the tough season. Tough run, isn't and it? Of course, the Dolphins in Week Seventeen. So look, they it, they're no certainty to let alone win the division. They've got to be worried about getting into the playoffs at this moment. So I think the. Um, the bar must be the bar must be set a bit lower here for the Bills, and they need to kind of just reestablish themselves and get get a bit of momentum before they um, run into all those top teams that I just mentioned. Well, a team that may have had some confidences dashed, and we, we've been pretty high on on the Detroit Lions, but they were dominated by Baltimore. I, I could not believe what I was watching. That was the best half of football though I've seen from any team this 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 year. That was. Just perfect football from the Ravens. They had 28, they were winning 28 nil before the, the Lions had a first down. <laughs> it was just three and out for the Lions, drive down the field, Lamar can do whatever he wants. It was just amazing. Um, and especially considering the week before in London when they played the Titans. 
Yeah. They could not get the ball into the end zone. They just struggled. They couldn't move the ball. They were awful. They've been awful in the red zone all year, but that was just uh, an unbelievable performance. And it's one of the frustrations with the Ravens because they're, they're such a, they could, should be undefeated, really. There's no way they should have lost that game against the Steelers. I can't remember who else. Oh, they lost to the Colts, didn't they? And that other, like, you know, just weird oh, game. one of the worst games you've ever seen. They can just throw in these awful performances. And um, the good thing is for the Ravens fans, they are 5-2 and two atop of the AFC North. They now look like a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Their defense is not being spoken about enough. They've been unbelievable on defense and will continue to get better. They have all the pieces. They have all the pieces. Um, Lamar Jackson's playing at an MVP level again. He's throwing the ball better than he ever has. Um, his accuracy's increased phenomenally. He's throwing over, he's completing over 70% of his passes. He is. 100% in the MVP conversation. And the Ravens, are all of a sudden, the, the schedule kind of opens up for them as well. So, look, they're, a, they're um, a very dangerous team. If they can bring that kind of energy and, and skill like they did against the, the Lions, it was just one of those things. It just everything went against the Lions, but it wasn't too much of um, – well, it was, I suppose, Baltimore just played out their skin and uh, – Look, it, it was a phenomenal performance and they now got, um, like I said, they've got a favourable draw coming up, really. Um, they've got a couple of tough ones in there, but if they play like that, they'll beat anyone. So um, huge watch on the Ravens, who have, who have soared in our power rankings, by the way. I'll just uh, allude you to that. <laughs> well, I mean, so so all good on, on the Ravens, but where does where does that put the Lions, though? Because we've been pretty high on, on the Lions all, all year. Yeah, look. It is concern, but I, I, I give them a mulligan. Um, they've been pretty rock solid all year, and 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 you know teams we know don't go through team, uh, seasons undefeated. And yes, I know they'd already lost the game, but the NFL is a tough league, and you know mm. you, you're a couple percent off, you get found out pretty quickly. And they look like they just weren't ready for that contest. The Ravens had you know everything schemed up against them beautifully, but like I said, it was just one of those days. I think and. Um, you know, David Montgomery was obviously a big loss. They couldn't run the ball. Um, yeah. They couldn't stop. They could. Their O line was uh, the Ravens' O line was just untouchable. Um, untouchable. The 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 the, the Lions' defense might as well have not been out there in the first half. It was just incredible to watch. But um, look, I, I think it's a mulligan for the Lions, and I think they get back bounce back pretty quickly against the Raiders this week. But it always is a concern when teams kind of come in with that expectation or there's been a lot of chatter about them. Similar to like the Dolphins, again, they've been found out essentially. And um, But uh, the Lions have a very favourable schedule coming up. They don't play a, a team with a winning record um, until um, week 16 or 17 of the season, I think it is, at this stage. Obviously, that can change. But, um, yeah, it's a ridiculously easy draw if you, if you look at it. I mean, no game in the NFL is easy, but... Mm. If you're looking at uh, strength of schedule, they've got the easiest one on the way home. So they'll win the NFC North. I have no doubt about that. But um, whether or not they can contend with the big boys, we'll find out. But um, they've got plenty of time to get right before the playoffs, in my mind. Well, I want to ask you a question. And I, and I had this kind of on the sheet for a little bit later on. But but now that we're talking about it, Baltimore haven't just soared up in the power rankings, by the way. They've soared up in, in the DVOA rankings. They're now the number one DVOA team in the NFL. And and for those of you 
who have listened to the the show over the last couple of years know that I'm a, a big fan of the, the DVOA metric, which is defense adjusted value over average, um, which breaks down every single NFL play and compares a team's performance to a league average baseline based on situation and opponent and an opponent. Um, so I think it gives a really good metric kind of a really good indicator of where teams are in relation to each other uh, across the league. Um, so Baltimore have gone from number six in the league last week to number one. One of the things we spoke about last week was that there was only one team in the top 10 uh, of DVD, uh, of DVOA, um, all three facets of the game. So offense, defense, uh, special teams. The Kansas City Chiefs were, were the one team last week. There are now three teams in the league this week that are in the top 10 DVOA offense, defense, and special teams. Baltimore aren't one of them. There so are. if I tell you that that the Kansas City Chiefs are still one of the three, who do you think the other two are? Eagles. That's one. Just. Just. Only just. Okay. Only just. Uh, then I'd have to say, I know they didn't play, but maybe the Cowboys. Try again. I'll give you one more, one more go. Um, is it a team that won? Oh, the Jags, potentially. It's a team that lost. A team that lost. Still the Niners, then. It's the Detroit Lions. Oh, Detroit Lions, there you go. The Detroit Lions are ranked fifth in overall DVOA. I probably should guess that. They are they are sixth in offense, ninth in defense, and ninth in special teams. Yeah, well their defense definitely took a hit um on the weekend, <laughs> but somehow they stay in that in that category. How do they move up into that category? Well, special teams, the one maybe that, that got them in there. Uh, let's see where were where were the Lions last week? Oh, the Lions were were third in defense last week, and they're ninth this week. Uh, offense, they were fourth last week and sixth this week. So it must be special teams that they've moved up. It have um, to be special teams because if they were, the Chiefs were the only team last week, and then the Lions mm. have lost like that, it um, that begs begs the question of how they've done that to move into that category. But yeah, look, they I still think they're a very good oh, football team. Last week, the Detroit Lions were 19th in special teams and then ninth. They had a great week on special teams, did they? There you go. Must have. Anything in particular, but um, they, they did punt a lot. So so maybe that um, they got them up there. But look, they uh, all they did was punt really on the weekend. But look, it was, it was an awful performance. On, the, on both sides of the ball, other than special teams potentially for the Lions. And I still think they're very talented. And um, they, like I said, I'll give them a mulligan. And I still think they're, um, they're super, super Bowl. They're playoff locks um, for anyone mm. betting in the futures. But the Vikings are coming potentially. And it, um, we'll see how we, when we get to that. But uh, look, I still think the Lions are, um, are potentially a, a class above at the moment uh, of a Justin Jefferson less. Vikings team. Well, it's probably a good segue in, into the Vikings. Uh, I'm not sure anyone had them beating the 49ers, especially after the, the Niners had, had had a couple of shaky weeks already. Mm. Um, what did you make of a the Niners uh, on on defense and and how how limited they look right now? We know how much talent is there and, and they will turn it around. I'm, I'm sure, but, but they don't look like the Niners on, on defense that, that we've been accustomed to. And then what did you make of 
Kirk Cousins and, and the Vikings. Well, I thought I think full credit. I, I watched a fair bit of this game. Full, full credit to the Vikings first of all, and and that offensive line it was a fantastic against the Niners. Kirk Cousins wasn't sacked. You think of Kirk Cousins playing NFL, and you think him on his back a lot. Um, mm. Somehow he was well protected. Uh, on, and he, on that, have, have you watched the the quarterback yes, series? Yeah, on uh, humble, yeah. How much how much of that game vision was him just hitting the ground and <laughs> groaning and takes, grunting? Like, yeah, it's unbelievable. <laughs> the poor guy. He just comes battered and bruised after a game. And um, but look, he to his credit, I think. Um, look, he threw a pick, which wasn't his fault at the start of the game. It was essentially ripped out of the, um, the receiver's hands by by Ward, uh, which was a pretty remarkable um, interception. So, look, he was pretty flawless, to be honest, Kirk. He, he threw for over 300 yards. He had, what, three touchdowns, was it, or two, three touchdowns? He had um, and two, he, two, I think. He's had a shocking record on, on Monday Night Football and primetime in particular. So, look, it was a special performance by him and um, – like I said, no sacks was the key for, for the Vikings. They they limited Nick, um, Joey, Bo- uh, yeah, Nick, not Joey, Nick Bosa and that rush of the the, the Niners. I mean, the, the Niners still are the Niners, and I still think they're um, arguably the best team in the fo- in football. But look, a couple of bad weeks. Purdy was underperforming again. I think he, we probably don't give enough, or you know, probably didn't give enough. Um, credence to the fact that they're two two of their very most important offensive pieces were missing. Trent Williams, their best offensive lineman, mm-hmm. one. And then secondly, Debo Samuel, their Swiss Army knife, which allows and opens up the game for Brock Purdy and others and Kyle Shanahan to do anything else. Like he he's essentially well, he's he is their best receiver. I was gonna say arguably his best best offensive player, but pretty hard to to go ahead of uh, C Mac <laughs> at the moment. But look, um they couldn't run the football without without Trent Williams there. I mean, McCaffrey was held to what under three yards of carry. He he did most of his damage um, receiving the ball. He lost a fumble early, but um, yeah, Purdy had a chance at the end. He, he threw two bad picks in the second half and probably showed that he is human after all. Um, after a pretty remarkable start to his career, but you know we know he's not he's not um, we know he's not Patrick Mahomes and he and he doesn't need to be in that team, but. I think it was just um, a perfect storm there for the Vikings at home on a big game, a must-win game for them, and it all kind of clicked. Nothing to be con- too concerned about for the uh, for the Niners, I don't think. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a good wake-up call. Well, a team with no concerns, the Kansas City Chiefs are on a bit of a heater of their own. And, and we know that they're not, they're not the Chiefs on offense of, of – Years past, we we know they don't have the same sort of options in the receiving core, but they're getting shit done. And Travis Kelsey is in, I mean, he's in playoff form at the moment, isn't he? Travis Kelsey with uh with Tay Tay in the box, and I mean, he tends to put on his best performances with the uh with the miso in the in the stands. <laughs> he was un- unstoppable on on um, Monday morning our time, Sunday obviously in the states, and. Uh... Yeah, 12 catches, um, just shy of 200 yards. Pretty much all of that happened in the first half as well. It was just an unstoppable first half of Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, and it was beautiful to watch. And, you know, we saw what we want to see from a Chargers-Chiefs game in that second quarter. It was the team's trading touchdowns. 35 points were scored in that quarter, um, five touchdowns. Wasn't much offense for the rest of the game outside of that quarter. Um <laughs> 
but yeah, look, the Chiefs are the Chiefs are just humming along now, aren't they? And they've got the Broncos um, this week for the second time in three weeks. So a nice little um, AFC West kind of trip there for uh, divisional kind of games for for the Chiefs. So they finish up in Denver there um, before we see them play Miami, which will be really interesting. Um, and then, of course, the Eagles. So a big couple of weeks coming up for the Chiefs. Um, looking forward to seeing how they go against better opposition um, because at the moment the Chargers aren't that and uh, they're very disappointing and at two and four, another season slipping away for, for the Chargers. And I'll go as far as saying that if they lose this week at home against the Bears, for some reason they're on prime time again though, the Chargers and the Bears for that matter. If they lose that game at home against the Bears, he will be sacked, Brennan Staley. I don't think he'll see it out. Like, this team cannot be two and five, and you cannot be losing to the Bears at home. <sighs> Their second half this week against the Chiefs, they had interception, three and out, three and out, three and out, interception. That's that's not good enough for, for a guy who, you know, essentially is supposed to be the heir apparent to Patrick Mahomes and um, he's just not at the moment. And, look, I, I like Justin Herbert. I think he's a great talent, but he's just not cutting the mustard at the moment. And, look, um, I know it's, he's not solely to blame, but he's got to take the brunt of it for mine. And, um, yeah, he, they're just very, very underwhelming at the moment, the charges and – um. Yeah, I I really don't see Brandon Staley. We we already discussed this at the start of the season. If they don't make the playoffs, I don't think he'll be there next year. It's not looking like they will at this stage. They do have a decent run, I suppose, coming up. They've got the Bears and the Jets, the Lions, Packers, Patriots, Broncos, Raiders, all in there. Um. So look, there's winnable games. They could get to easily get to eight or nine wins, but. Is that going to be enough to get into the playoffs? I'm not sure. It's certainly only going to be a wild card if that. But I, I honestly don't think he'll see out the see out the week if they lose to the. If Justin Herbert loses to Clarkson Bajan, <laughs> it's all over. Yeah, I I agree. I, I think we've we've spoken about this before, haven't we? That w- with all the talent there, I mean the cha- the Chargers have to be competing for division titles year after year. The, the way that that roster is is built and. Justin Herbert is now far enough into his career where a guy with that sort of talent should be in MVP conversation. I mean, he doesn't have to be favorite. He doesn't have to be top two or three in voting, but he should be part of the conversation now. You know, we're talking fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth options or or whatever, but at least least kind of in the markets, at least in the conversation. From memory, I think we both potentially picked him for MVP last year, or at least to... I think we did yeah. as, as a Smokey, yeah. But I think, you know, I think we spoke about it last week even, and there's been a lot of whiskeys and beers uh, consumed since then. But I, I think we spoke about the fact that with all the talent uh, that that he's got, maybe he just doesn't have that dog mentality. Yeah. Maybe he just doesn't have that winning that winning gene or, or whatever it is that he needs. And, and whether that's his issue, whether it's a coaching issue, like maybe I mean, we've spent the last couple of years talking about Brandon Staley's coaching deficiencies, but you know, would a better coach get more out of Justin Herbert? Maybe. Um, or, or is that just, is that just who he is? Just a, a guy kind of happy to coast on, on talent. Um, 
which it it feels like is kind of the mentality at at the franchise. So is it a franchise issue? Is it a QB issue? Is it a coaching issue? I, I don't know, but uh, it certainly feels like they they kind of as a franchise feel like we're so talented we should be winning every week. And maybe they're just not putting the work in. Maybe they don't have that that winning edge that you need to compete against the big boys. And and you're right. If 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 they lose to the Bears, then I I don't see how Brandon Staley sees out the week, let alone that the season. And that was one of the big questions I think we asked mm. a few weeks ago. Like, at what point do, does ownership have enough? Um, and, and you know what needs to go wrong for Brandon Staley to lose his job, but. Losing the Bears is is probably one of those things that that needs to go wrong for Brandon Staley to lose his job, and and maybe that's a good thing to be honest. For if you're a Chargers fan, I mean, from an outsider looking in, I I can't understand how the guy still got a job. I mean, I I'm a big fan of Brandon Staley. I think he can coach, but he makes some boneheaded decisions, some awful play calls at times that that have an impact, that have um have an effect on where the games are won or lost. And generally I think he's okay, but when you make those decisions in big moments and it turns it turns a, a win into a loss, then that's an issue. And and there have been too many of those, I think for mine, at, at the Chargers over the last three years. Um, and, you know, we, we spoke about it last week. Like, can you imagine a, a Kevin O'Connell or, or someone in that seat doing what he's doing with the the Minnesota Vikings offense with the amount of talent that's on the Chargers franchise. Like that's, I, I would love to see that. Um, but who knows? I mean, it's, it's the Chargers. They make strange decisions all the time. Um, maybe they need to lose this week is kind of my takeaway. Maybe they need to lose this week to really have that, you know, that real wake up call, that real, we need to make a change. Something has to change. And this is it. Maybe, maybe this is the moment. Every, yeah, exactly. And, and it, it might show if they have that killer instinct at the at the GM level, the management level as well, um, which you've just talked about and, and we discussed last week in terms of Justin Herbert and we maybe just doesn't have that. And that's that's the thing it seems to be holding the Chargers back, that will to win or that um, that fighting mentality. Because like you, like you said, I think they just think they can coast by on their talent and They've sadly been proven wrong over the last couple of seasons. And, um, yeah, Sunday night football could be a huge wake-up call if they uh, if they drop that one, that's for sure. Speaking of wake-up calls, Bajan Robinson Oof. was the biggest, baddest player coming out of college at the end of last season into the draft. I mean, talk about a ready-made back who was going to take the NFL by storm. And it was kind of a shock that he was taken where he was taken, given they had you know, a young quarterback, young running back already. Um, surprised that uh, that the Falcons took him at, what was it, pick eight, seven or eight, mm-hmm. whatever it was. Um, and he's not looking like the Bajan Robinson that we all expected because he's not being put in a position to be that guy. What's happening in Atlanta? It was staggering to see what happened in in well in Tampa for Atlanta this week or week just gone. It was he lined up for I don't know how many snaps, but essentially it was just a really healthy dose of Tyler Algier who um, didn't complete, didn't have, uh, averaged under three yards per carry, 
didn't do anything exciting on offense. However, he stayed in the game, and uh, Bajan Robertson was nowhere to be seen. They they quoted during the telecast or during the the game that he was feeling under the weather or he was sick, but there was no designation that he'd mispracticed, that he'd done anything wrong, that it was just a complete shock to every single person in, in the NFL world, let alone in, in fantasy land, who started Bajan Robertson because there was absolutely no reason not to. Um, it's not like the guy's been underperforming either. He's been he's had a very good year. And look, to the Falcons' credit, they got the job done without him and they had another win and overcame another disastrous performance from Desmond Ritter. And um, I don't know. Arthur Smith is such a weird dude, obviously. He just refused to put Kyle Pitts in the game a lot of the time last year and, and, and the year before. And, and now it's happening with Bajan Robertson. So, look... Hopefully it was a one-week thing. If he if he doesn't take the field next week or if we see him on any whispers during the week, it's going to be a very, very interesting time in Atlanta. But speaking of the Falcons, they're four and three and could easily have a couple more wins on their belt. And they're, they're a good quarterback away from being a, a potential mm. contender in the NFC, especially like they would be heavy, heavy division favorites if they had a quarterback, in my opinion. And, and look, even without one, they're still potentially better than the Saints and the, and the Bucks. Yeah, look, it's it's really interesting, and and you you mentioned that, that they're a, a good QB away. I, I'm still not sold on Arthur Smith for what it's worth. Mm. I, I I think he's done some good things, and clearly he's got them turning up, competing, and playing all right. I mean, with the the Options that he's got, I think he, he's he's doing okay. He's doing okay, but I'm not sold. And it is it is these things. You, know, you mentioned Kyle Pitts a, a minute ago, how they're using a, a guy like Kyle Pitts, who, again, like Bajan Robinson, was going to be dominant coming out of college, was going to be the, the next big thing, was kind of the heir apparent to, to Travis Kelsey and the next generation of mobile, powerful, dynamic, receiving tight ends. Um and was going to take the league by storm, and and he kind of looked a, a, a little bit lost in his first season, and we we're expecting that big step up in season two. And uh, Arthur Smith has just kind of killed whatever progression and development we were expecting out of Kyle Pitts, and yeah, uh, I it's just a, a mind boggling decision to 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 use a guy who's as talented as Kyle Pitts is almost like a decoy week after week, like you do it. <laughs> Do it one week, dependent on matchups and whatever, to to you know confuse your opponents or whatever. But every week, it's just confusing. It, it's incredibly confusing, um, and I just I just don't know what to make of the Falcons. To be brutally honest, um, they've won some games that they probably should have lost, and they've lost some that they possibly should have won. So they're about even. Um, but I kind of still feel like they're overperforming, and whether that's good coaching or just execution in the moment has been okay. I still am not sure. And I'm, and I'm not sure that we'll get the answer to that until you get your best players playing their best football. And, and I just, I don't know that Arthur Smith can do that because he hasn't put his best guys in positions to do so. So I don't know. I'm confused about the Falcons. I feel like they're overperforming their win loss record feels like it's okay. Um, but I also feel like contextually, conceptually, it's an overperformance. Um, and whether there's some regression coming, I'm, I'm not sure. 
Um, but yeah, I don't. Where, where, what do the Falcons do next? Where do you see their season heading? I, I see them winning the NFC South from here. I, I've seen enough Ooh. of the Saints now to think that they're just not up to it, particularly on offense. Um, they did make that late rally in that Thursday night game, but yeah, I, I think the Falcons are a bit more balanced than the Saints at the moment. I just do worry about Desmond Ritter. And uh, if they need to make a change there at quarterback, I don't um, know if he's going to be a long-term viable option. But if he just needs to have can bloody take care of the ball, if he can stop his turnovers, he'd be okay. But look, um, yeah, still mind-boggling about Arthur Smith and some of his calls. And to your point, I don't know if you saw it, but Kyle Pitts has took one of the great catches of all time on the weekend as well. Just that he's just an absolute freak of a freak of nature. But um, hopefully, they kind of. Um, get things together because they've got a lot of talent on that roster at the moment. And and the Bucks, I mean, again, like they're three and three. Uh, I I still feel like that's possibly a bit of an over overperformance for for the Bucks at, at that win loss record. But I mean, how did you see? It? I mean, it was only a field goal at the end of the day. But how how did you see their their performance? No, nah, they should have lost by a lot more if it wasn't for some really costly. Um, fumbles from the Falcons and in particular on the goal line late in that game look they they were lucky to be in it the Bucks they um they struggled and uh they've struggled the last two weeks they they didn't score a touchdown against the Lions they um they got Evans into the end zone early in this one but yeah the Bucks have progressed and and regressed pretty badly since since starting the season hot and look that's um that was probably always going to happen I didn't have the Bucks anywhere near finishing Near the top of that division, I think they're um, a work in progress at the moment with the with the transition. Um, we know Baker Mayfield is going to have one good week every month or so often. So, um, <laughs> look, he he is what he is, and I don't think the Bucks are going to be um, a threat moving forward. That's for sure. No, I think that's that's about right. Um, the Denver Broncos got a win, and for them, that's good. But I think that's really bad for the Green Bay Packers. Um, the Packers started out looking pretty solid, pretty strong, and potentially looking like winners of, of that division, um, even against the the Detroit Lions, who who started hot too. But geez, I mean that's that's a little bit worrying. Even though it was in Denver at, at the Mile High, but that 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 must be a little bit worrying for for Green Bay. Oh, massively. And look, they've got a very, very young team and they've got a lot of time to still click together. But um and and the nature of young young receivers, rookies everywhere, is that they're gonna have ups and downs, aren't they? But um they just seem incapable or unwilling to throw the ball downfield and, and that's what's been holding them back. They've looked a lot better when they do try and open up the playbook and, and throw the ball a little bit further. They've got a great deep threat in Christian Watson, who's got blistering pace, but they just didn't use him in, in Denver at all. And credit to Jordan Love, he kind of rallied them back, got him in front. They ultimately ended up losing, of course. But um, I think losing to Denver is really bad at this point of the season. And look, Green Bay have been bad for three weeks now. They were completely awful in, in, against Detroit. Um on prime time that in that Thursday night game again they were pretty bad against the Raiders um the week before their bye and and then obviously coming out of the bye to lose to the Broncos is is far from ideal and Jordan loves yeah turned in a couple of bad ones so 
Um, not sure what to make of the Packers. Uh, they've got the Vikings this week, which is a super interesting game because you'd think, seeing what the Vikings did on the weekend, that the Vikings go into Green Bay and win that game and all of a sudden they're now mm. a, um, they're back at level pegging and, you know, potentially could make some noise in the NFC, whereas the Green Bay Packers um, could end up just drifting off into irrelevance this season. And, um, yeah, like you said, after a pretty bright start, they were 2-1. and one. They've um, dropped three in a row and looked pretty ordinary um, the last few weeks. So they've had a lot of injuries on that on that defense, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, concerns in Green Bay for mine. Is I, I don't have any stats in front of me to, to back this up. And like I said at the top of the show, I did – just about zero, zero preparation for this episode. And so, Ryan, thank you for, for taking the lead on this one. But it, it does feel a little bit like the – because you mentioned it, their kind of lack of or, or unwillingness to throw the ball downfield, especially when you've got those guys like a, a Christian Watson, etc. Is it a coaching thing or is it the offensive line? I know – I know – that um, yeah, it wasn't a sack issue this week against the Broncos, but it does feel like th- there's still a fair bit of pressure coming. And I don't know if it's just that Jordan Love doesn't feel like he's got the time to throw the ball downfield um, and, and kind of hit targets, or if it's just that that's not part of the game plan at the moment. Like, is, is there something identifiable? You've probably seen a bit more of the Packers than, than I have Um in in recent weeks, especially over the last few weeks, mm-hmm. but um, is there something kind of identifiable to you having seen that 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 you can kind of go one way or another? Is it a coaching thing or is it a is it a, an execution? Yeah, thing? Yeah, I don't know if it's if it's a coaching thing. They've been so bad to start games, and and that's been the issue. They've been completely outplayed in the first half, and then they have to play catch up and throw the ball downfield in the second half. But I don't know if they're playing too conservative conservative early or anything like that. But a couple of stats. Um, for you though, he averaged two point four air yards in pass per pass attempt. Jordan Love in the first half, two point four. Wow, is only then in the second half when that opened up to about nine point three. But look, um, some other stats for you. They've been outscored. Um, where have I lost it now? But they've um, completely been shut out in the first half. Like I said, so they've had to go to that aerial route in the second half. Outscored sixty three to six in first halves of their past four games. 63 to 6. That's like stats like the Giants were putting up in the first couple of weeks um, when they were completely getting blown out in the first half. But Jordan Love, through six games this season, he's 6 of 27 with no touchdowns and three picks on throws of over 20 yards. So when he is throwing the ball downfield, he's throwing it waywardly. He's, He's getting intercepted. He's not having any connection with his receivers. So... Perhaps that's why Matt LaFleur isn't wanting him to trust him with with throwing the ball downfield early. I don't know. but um, And then they've kind of had to resort to that in the second half when they've been down, yeah. you know, double digits and things. So I think it's all a bit of both. It might be execution more so than coaching at this stage for Jordan Love, who yeah, he's essentially a rookie, like we've said a couple of times on on this season's um, podcast that, you know, he, he, I know he's been on the roster and behind Aaron Rodgers, but he'd only ever started one game in the NFL before this year. And, essentially coming in as a rookie with a completely new receiving core. Yes, Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson played with him last year and he would have thrown to them in practice, but he's got two other rookie receivers this year. He's got rookie tight ends. 
he's got no experience around him outside of the running backs and barely Aaron Jones has barely been on the field. So, look, there's excuses for him, but um, there's a lot of work to be done for the Packers if they're to kind of find winning form again in the short term. Mm. No, I think I think you're right there. Um, as we take a quick look at the the stat leaders, obviously, as has been for most of the season, uh, Tua and Tyreek lead the league in pass yards and and receiving yards. Tyreek Hills had 902 receiving yards, and we're we're through seven weeks. Um, I mean, this this could be record breaking. This could be record breaking. Yeah, uh, he's chasing two material for, for Tyreek Hill. He's on track. Yeah, I mean, he's. Yeah, he's, look, he's not far off, is he? he I mean, he's nearly a thousand. He's nearly a thousand. We're not halfway through the season yet, so it's uh, yeah, impressive, impressive numbers from from the cheetah, uh, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, obviously, not the best performance of of his life on the weekend, but still leads the league in receiving yards. Daniel Hunter from the Vikings yes. leads the league in sacks, which is the first time we've had a mm-hmm. single leader, I think, yeah. since week one. Uh, week two, maybe. Um, uh, Zaya Franklin still leads the lead in tackles from the Colts. And Geno Stone, again, first time since week two or week three that we've had a single leader in interceptions. A lot of dudes last week on three. There's uh, a, a lot of dudes. dudes on three. But, a lot uh, of dudes. Geno Stone got one on the weekend. It pushed him up to four. So, um uh, representing the Ravens, of course. So, yeah, four interceptions for Geno Stone. Power rankings you mentioned a little bit earlier. Uh, some big movers in the power rankings. And looking at this now for just about the first time, uh, because it is kind of halfway down the run sheet and I've been staring at the top half for quite a while. Um, <laughs> there have been some big moves in these power rankings. Why don't you walk us through it? Yeah, look, I it was... We've got a new team at the top. Let's uh, start with that. Ooh. And uh, it was very hard to pick between the two. But I've gone the Eagles over the Chiefs at this stage. So the Chiefs have jumped up to two. The Eagles have landed at number one. Um, they've been Two six and one teams. Yep, the only two six and one teams. And look, the Eagles have been in the top two all season and, and I think deservedly take their place at number one now. Um, obviously, the Chiefs have won six in a row, but... Based off the strength of the schedule, the Eagles obviously knocked off the high-flying Dolphins. So I'll give the nod to Philly and um, pop them in the number one spot for now. So the Eagles, the number one at top of the power rankings for mine. The Chiefs closely followed behind at number two. The Niners haven't slipped too far. They're only at number three, despite the loss to the Vikings, um, which I think is probably a fair reflection of where they're at. Like I said, they're allowed a couple of bad weeks. They've been on a, a heater recently. The Niners, have, they've barely lost a game. Um, Outside, of course, of the uh, the NFC Championship game, mate, which uh, we know what happened there. But look, they've been flying, and look, I still think they're one of the best teams, if not the best, in the league um, with a fully healthy roster. So we've got them at three. But the big mover, of course, is the Ravens. I've jumped them all the way up to number four. What do you think? Well, they were eight last week, so that is a big mm. move. I think they have to be. They're the only team that. Um, the teams around them that they've surpassed or lost. Obviously, the Cowboys didn't play. Um, the Lions, Dolphins, Bills all lost. So, look, I think they're fair enough to be at number four at this stage, especially what we saw with in that first half. Um, do you have? Would you have them any higher or lower? I I actually think that's about right. I, I'm probably in agreement with you there. I thank you, mate. I 
I would have found it tough to drop the Niners to three just because I agree with you that I think that they're the best team in the league. Um, but given this isn't a rankings of, a ranking of who the best teams in the league are, that is a power rankings, it's pretty hard to argue. Um, my my big question is your number five this week because they've moved up from six to five, suffering <laughs> a loss. Been- um, so I didn't even realize it was six last week. Yeah, yeah and look, up. I I don't necessarily disagree because I, I feel like for context for listeners for the listeners the lines have moved down from four to seven, the Cowboys have moved up because of that from seven to six, and the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, look, I couldn't the Miami. Yeah, I couldn't jump the Dolphins. Uh, sorry, I couldn't jump the Cowboys two well, spots. That's right. In the no, no, I, I, and that's and that's essentially <laughs> why why I agree with you. This is. Simply an accounting administration move, almost. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I kind of agree with you that that's about right for them because I, I still think that they're they're right up there, probably not in the top tier of teams, but right below them, um, and and that's probably where they should be. Yeah, look, I, I know what you asked me last week what what I needed to see out of the Dolphins in that game, and I think I saw enough. Look, with obviously without winning, they did lose by two touchdowns. It didn't feel like that a two-touchdown kind of loss, though, to me. I thought they were really admirable, the way they played. They battled back from it, um, got it back to 17 all. A couple of things went against them. The Eagles were great, but uh, they lost Jalen Waddle to an, an injury. He was off for quite a while. They lost um, – some went off as well from the O-line. I think um, – can't remember who it was. But, look, they, they were a bit banged up, the Dolphins. They went into a – Hostile environment. They counted themselves pretty well. I thought it was a good game of football, and I don't think they lost too many admirers in that game, especially not myself. So I thought the Dolphins were admirable, and um, so I've kept them. I thought I'd kept them at the same spot, but it makes sense. Yeah, like you said, with the Dolphins, uh, sorry, the Lions plundering down to seven, <laughs> they kind of had to move up. So <laughs> the Dolphins and Cowboys five and six. The Lions at seven um, after that horrible loss. The Jags. Only jump one spot, but they're at five and two. Very sneakily, the Jacksonville mm. Jaguars quietly going about their business up to number eight in the rankings at five and two. You must be you must be feeling pretty confident, pretty pretty happy with yourself about your preseason predictions about the, the Jags because you were you were fairly bullish on uh, on Jacksonville. Yeah, look again, they're not playing much in that division, but in saying that, the Colts and the Texans have been far better than I thought they'd be um, this season. So. We'll see what happens there. Um, the Texans have a chance to get back ahead of 500 this week, which will be astonishing. But anyway, the Jags in eighth spot ahead of my Bills at nine, who have dropped all the way down from three, which I still think was a little bit high from you last week. But from three to nine, that's a big drop for the Bills and, and a, deserved drop. One, a deserved one. Deserved one. That You're not going to see – I mean – in the first couple of weeks, things can move. It's you know, really fluid. But once you're seven, six, seven, eight weeks in, it's pretty rare to see a drop like that from a from a mm. top three spot to borderline top ten. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see if if we see another move like that throughout the course of the season. Because I, I do feel like the Bills right the ship, and and they will probably end up again as a top three, top five at worst team, I imagine. I can't see them finishing any lower than a top five team. Um, but that is that is a big move. That is a big move by you. Yeah, it's, it's an alarming drop, um, but yeah, it had to be done. And I feel like the winner of this game 
could make be the the next big move or the the move for this week, and that's the Browns and the Seahawks. Who I've got at ten and eleven, mm. um, both four and two teams. Both had, I wouldn't say ugly, but you know, barely squeaked over the line against lesser opponents on the weekend. Um, the Browns were ultimately very lucky, as we've already discussed. But um, I've still got them at ten. The Seahawks eleven, knocking on the door at four and two, and then. There's another four and two team, but I've got them in 13th, and that's the Steelers. And just in between there, the Bengals, who didn't play, obviously, and were on their bye. But at three and three, I've got the Bengals ahead of the Steelers. I still think the Bengals are a much more formidable football team than the Steelers, um, thanks largely in part to their offense compared to the, the Steelers' offense. But what a test for the Bengals this week. They go into San Francisco to play the Niners. Huge. Massive. Massive. Um the bottom three, which has been a, a source of conversation all through the point, all all through the the portion of the the season so far, but we haven't deviated too much until now. And there's a new team in the bottom three. Well, the Cardinals are back there. They started the season in the bottom three. They are back. They find themselves back there. They only they have been competitive, but they have only won one game. So, at one and five, one and six. One and six, the Cardinals? No, one and five. It doesn't matter. They've got one win. They are 31st. Obviously, the Panthers haven't moved off the bottom. They're one and six. One and six. Yeah, one and six. I didn't think they had a bye. I've left the Giants there, mate. I've left the Giants in the bottom three. Um, Mm. I know they won, but so did the Bears. So did the Broncos. So did the um, Patriots. All these teams that were on one win heading into this week all um, notched up their second win of the season. So I can't move Giants up. Sadly, they stay there. Now, <laughs> now I want to ask you this face-to-face virtually. Uh, does the fact that you've left the Giants in at number 30 and the Bears have moved out of the bottom three, is this a declaration from you? Oh, yeah. Finally. I just realized. I was right. just realized. That no, I was right about look, the Giants. You, you might be, but... I won the bet fair and square, and I still haven't. <laughs> you did, you did. Hey, no arguments. Well, there is, you won the it bet. does sound like an argument because I still haven't got that whiskey. It's coming. <laughs> I told you it's in the mail. All the way from Philadelphia. Well, that was the plan anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, I just realized, it, I just realized is... I had the Bears lower than, well, we had the Bears lower than the Giants last week. So realistically, the Bears probably shouldn't have leapfrogged them, but. Maybe the Bears were a bit more um, convincing than the Giants. Well, hey, they've got two wins. They've got two wins and, yeah. For the Giants. Well, yeah, but <laughs> I don't know what you what you want me to say. It's just the Giants suck, <laughs> man. The Giants suck so bad. Um, uh, are there any, any teams you think that could realistically move into the kind of top 15 or the top 10? We've yeah. talked about the talked about the Seahawks, uh, the Bengals, and the Steelers potentially, maybe even the Jets. Um, but anyone outside of that that mob that you think could could make a move? Yep, I do. I think um, we might be seeing the Texans in this top fifteen Oof, next week, just wow. the fact that they are going to be winning and getting to a four and three record. But the other team I want to mention and and one I want to keep an eye on moving forward is the Vikings for sure. And, and they'll win this week against the Packers. And mm-hmm. um, if they can kind of play like they did 
get through the couple next couple of weeks without Justin Jefferson, reintegrate him back in, there's still a playoff chance for the Vikings. So they're the ones for me that can move into that top 15, top 10 kind of conversation in the coming weeks. Interesting. So you, you got the Texans beating the Panthers. Yes. Yeah. How... I actually feel like the Panthers I'm not might going out on a limb there. What's that? I'm not going out on a limb. No, no, by I'm, saying I'm, not that, sure, I'm not sure. Yeah, but I, I feel like I am a little bit in, in that I think that if the Panthers are going to win the one, Panthers? then look, the, the Panthers aren't going to go through the season without a win. They're going to win at some stage. They're they're, yeah. they're they're bad. Like, don't get me wrong, they're bad, and and they deserve to be winless at the moment. But they're going to win one. They're going to pinch one from somewhere, and this is a really good opportunity for them to go. Right, we've got a shot at a win. This is the week. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I feel like I feel like this is the week for the Panthers. I, w- I wouldn't be. I'm not sure I'd be putting money on the Texans this week. Is all I'm saying. I oh, know. I'm. I'm. I won't be doing anything of the sort, and I won't be handing out any tips because I had one of the worst weeks of all time um, in week seven. <laughs> I think we all did. We um, all did. I last did say week. Steelers at the line, but. Um, in our segment last week, but um, some horrendous tipping from both people, from both of us last week. So let's, let's um, avoid that this week. Yeah, I think, I think we might do that. Um, Speaking of the, the week eight matchups off the top, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Buffalo. This is, this is a big game. I mean, it does, you look at the win loss records, you look at the form lines, it doesn't feel like it, but it is a big game. Massive. Massive for the Bills this week. Um, obviously more so than than the Bucks. I, I don't think the Bucks came in with any expectations on their season. Um, however, they've got a great opportunity to beat beat the Bills here at home. Um, the Bucks are two and zero on the road this season. The Bills are playing as bad as they've played in the last couple of seasons, the last couple of weeks. So look, I I think they're they're right for the taking. Um, if the Bucks want it. I just don't think they have enough talent to do it. So, look, hopefully the Bills bounce back and have a big win, but nothing would surprise me at the moment, the way the NFL is going. So, let's, let's just um, – but, yeah, it's a, it's a massive game in the context of the season, though, honestly. Um, it's a really big fork in the road. If the Bills lose it, that could be it. That That's division division race over, potentially, and um, it makes it hard to win a Super Bowl as a wildcard team. Um, especially when you're going to go into Kansas City and the like and when you're in the AFC. So um, up against it, the Bills. So let, let me ask you this, because as a as someone who watches the Bills pretty closely, um, I think eight weeks ago, when we did our season preview, eight, eight or nine weeks ago, if we'd have gone through this schedule week by week and, and looked at these matchups, I would have said this is a game that the Bills win by two touchdowns, three touchdowns, is a pretty easy win, I think, against this yeah, against down. this yeah. Tampa Bay Buccaneers team, and and clearly we're not at that point with the Bills at the moment. So what do you what do you need to see from Buffalo to, I guess, get your confidence back on track? I want to see a really strong. I don't care what they do on offense, honestly. Um, and look, I think it's they need to score points, obviously, but I, I want to see more of a complete performance on defense, especially against this. Pretty ordinary Tampa offense. I mean, if if Baker Mayfield comes out and balls out, then I think there's you know some some major concerns. They haven't been able to run the ball whatsoever all year. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Rashad White has been 
so bad. He's <laughs> averaging, I think, yeah, just a touch or around three yards per carry. And they don't have another option. Barely. They don't have another option. No, no, that's yeah, what I mean. But yeah. they just can't run the ball. I mean, he's got he's leading Russia with two hundred sixty six yards for this year. Um, there's a guy called Keyshawn Vaughn, of course, and, and Chase Edmonds that back him up, but they barely get carries. But they're a very pass heavy offense, and and um, the Bills should be able to set themselves for for that. Um, look, I think. Um, if you can, if you you need to be holding the Bucks to under a touch or a touchdown, no more than you know a touchdown, and and really kind of flexing their defensive muscles, getting a bit of confidence back on that side of the ball, and then obviously letting Josh Allen do what he does. But hopefully he can kind of have a rest in that third, fourth quarter and and put his feet up, and the game's won by then. But like I said, it's it's been tough going for the Bills at the moment, so really unconfident heading in, but. They should be winning and, and winning pretty comfortably. I, I think I think you guys get back on track. I think you win this pretty comfortably. Uh, a few other games that you've highlighted here. Um, normally, LA Rams and the Cowboys w- would be a, a matchup for the ages. I mean, it'd be something that we're looking forward to. But literally, no one cares about either of these franchises. They they're both awful, and they have no fans anywhere in the world. The LA Rams or the Dallas Cowboys, um, certainly not in America. Um, neither of them are America's <laughs> team. So we'll move on to the next game. The, the Minnesota Vikings and the Packers, clearly elite franchises with humongous fan bases all around the world. Um, what's exciting about this one? I don't know what's going on here, mate, but you're, um, you've lost the plot, I think, a bit tonight. I think you're in time for a rest. But the Vikings, the reason I highlighted this game was just for the fact that it's I'm really eager to see how both of these teams perform. I think they're on opposite trajectory. You know what I'm trying to say? Trajectories at the moment. I think the Vikings are obviously um, heading upwards, and the and the Packers down at the moment in terms of that trend. So, um, I think if it if it goes like I planned, or, or how I think it's going to go in my head, the, it could be crisis for the Packers and and look out for the Vikings. So yeah, very interested to see how it plays out, but. Um, Going by what happened in week seven, I'll be completely wrong, and that'll be flipped on its head. <laughs> I'll tell you what it's it's another one of those another one of those ones. You talked about the the Panthers Texans earlier. This might be one where I have a sneaky play on on the Packers at a dollar ninety ish, around two bucks, whatever you can get when you shop around. But um, clearly, if they're only two bucks, I'd be getting. All over the Vikings. If they if they're even money, there's no way. At, at the moment, one eighty eight to one ninety two. Oh, load up on the on the skull. I don't know. I'll tell you what. You you know what these games are like. Packers Vikings. They just beat the 49ers, mate. You. I don't care. <laughs> they're literally dollar ninety. They're a coin flip. Dollar ninety a piece. The Vikings, you can get a plus one and a half. Yeah, but you've have you not been watching the Vikings over the last twenty years? I don't care. That is fucking money for jam. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll catch up again hey, next I'm week. I'm shocked. I'm shocked to see those odds. I actually, honestly, am because because the Packers turn up against the Vikings. They always do. Always. I would have priced that very differently, but uh, that's, that's why you're not a good luck to those a having trader. a play on the Packers. That's why you're not a trader. Yeah. Oh, mate. <laughs> that's why that's that, why man. neither of us are traders, to be honest. That's why neither of us are traders. But but I, I this is again like like the like the Panthers, the Packers turn up for this type of game. And 
I would be, I mean, the line, the line's a point and a half. So there's, there's not much in it from the, the market's perspective, but I would be, I would be shocked if there, if this was more than a, a field goal either way. Um, and I know it, it's, it's, I well, know we it's going to be within a touchdown. It's a Vikings game. There's, there's, there's no <laughs> question about it. It's within seven, eight maximum every, every match. So. For sure. For sure. But I, I do feel like this is one that, you know, maybe the Vikings lead all through, and then the Packers have a have a drive and take the lead late. I, I don't know. I just I don't know. There's just a there's just there's something in the waters for these these games, these Packers Vikings games, these division rivalries, and this is you know one of the biggest, one of the the hardest, one of the toughest rivalries out there. Um, I don't know. I feel like there's there's something there, and there's, there's a few other matchups on on the Sunday that are interesting, if not. You know, world beating, but the Jets Giants should be interesting. Mm. Um, the Jags Steelers should be interesting. Philadelphia Washington should be interesting. The Texans and Panthers, yeah, like good, yeah. like you've said, should be interesting. Um, but you've highlighted the Browns and Seahawks. You touched on it a little bit earlier, um, and it's it sounds ridiculous. Like you you laughed at it, but you highlighted this game, and I agree with you that this is a really, really interesting matchup. I'm laughing at how you're <laughs> you're carrying on, but yes, I think um, it is a huge matchup. It's two four and two teams. They're obviously interconference teams. They don't play each other very often. It's always interesting those kind of matchups when you see teams that don't play each other very often um, finally get to to play each other, and um, just interested to see really what happens in the quarterback room for for the court uh, for Cleveland in particular, and. Um, and then yeah, if the Seahawks can can knuckle down on defense, I think that wins there for the taking. Obviously at home, and they could um, they could put some pressure on the Niners if at the at the very least, let's say. Especially if the Bengals come into town and, and knock the Niners off. Very interesting race in the NFC West potentially. But look, that's that's the main one. That's the game of the week to see where Joey Burrow's at. Is he the Joe Burrow of not? Old, I don't want to say Joe Burrow of old because I mean he's. He's a bloody young man, but look, I think what we expected this could have been a a, a Super Bowl matchup heading into this season. So, look, I, I think um, that's the match of the round for, by far, and really looking forward to seeing how um, the Niners can bounce back off two losses, and and if if Joe Burrow can come in and make a statement and get the Bengals back on track, I think there's a lot of um, subplots to watch for in this one. Hundred percent. That's that's the game of the round. The Bengals and and. Niners, I, I agree with you. By the way, on on the Browns and the Seahawks, about what a what a matchup that is. I don't know why you, don't know why you're having a crack at that? I was agreeing with you. Um, I'm not having a crack. It's just I don't know. I feel like you're being a bit tongue in cheek tonight. Not, so not at all. Not at all. Well, maybe. I mean, I usually I usually am. That's fair. But I no. I hundred percent. I think it's a super important matchup um, f- for all of the reasons that that you gave. And I was I was agreeing. I was giving props to you. But. Hundred percent, the Bengals Niners is the game of the week, and and I I really feel like the Bengals were getting back on track before the bye, and mm. yeah, a, a week a week off at that stage would have done wonders for for Joey Burrow. I think he he needed it as much as you feel like you know, you, you get a couple of wins back to back, and you want to keep the momentum going. I feel like it, it came at the right time. They, they go into the week off full of confidence. They can come out of it full of confidence. And they're playing a team that's that feels like is a little bit on the ropes at the moment. And and maybe that's a good thing or a bad thing. You know, the Niners, I feel like, are one of those teams where you 
you know, they get punched in the face and they come back and they, and they, they hit hard. Um, but the Bengals would be going into this one full of confidence, I reckon. And, and yeah, another week of recovery and rehab into, into Joey B's calf, um, yeah, another week on the track for that Burrow Chase combination to, to get back on track, which we saw, you know, kind of the fortnight previously w- was taking that next step. Um, yeah, the Bengals, the Bengals, I think, uh, would it, they would be going into this saying that we're at least 50 50 in this game. That, that I don't know what the, what the markets say for, for this one. Let's have a quick look while I've got the, uh, the window open here. Where are we? Um, big, big favorites. Uh, the Niners minus five and a half. Big, big favorite. Dollar thirty-seven, three eleven. Mm. That's um, yeah, five and a half point line. Tell you what, Bengals would be thinking they're a shot here. Yeah, and, if uh, they get up to if they get to a flat six, six and a half, you'd, you'd be taking the Bengals every day of the week. Um, hundred. Even that five and a half is very tempting, isn't it? For sure. And and mm. it's really interesting point you made about. The buy and how that would have affected them. Obviously, the rest would have been great for Joe Burrow, but like you said, they started getting that momentum. Does the buy halt that momentum, or like you said, potentially mm. it just kind of carries it on for an extra week? You get a bit healthier, you get a bit, um, bit more recovered, and you come out of the come out of the buy still positive, like you mentioned. So yeah, really interesting take there, and I think um, yeah, for, hopefully for the Bengals' sakes, that's the, that's the way they come out of it. But um, the um, other going to be a great match, just. Just yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I think so. And and just looking at this market, we haven't we haven't done much kind of betting talk uh, so far this season. But looking at the the total points market for this one, forty five and a half seems a bit high given the 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 movement to defense mm. and the way I think that the Bengals D has progressed. We know how strong the the Niners D is, um, and and their worries on offense at the moment. But that forty five and a half seems. Seems a tad high for me. Yeah, no, I agree with that completely. I thought you'd think it might be a bit lower around the 42 mark. Um, mm. We've seen, yeah, like you said, just some teams kind of switch to defense and then we know that the, um, the Niners are ultra impressive on defense and the Bengals are improving on defense and, and we, they just played like a, a bit of a slog fest against Seattle and the week before their bye, there was a very dour kind of game. So... Um, with that trend of of defensive teams or de- defensive um, side of the ball for the uh, in the NFL, as as you rightly mentioned last week, yeah, it might look a bit too high. Um, so yeah, interesting. Could be a couple of uh, little markets to play in that one. Well, if, if that's not the game of the week, then clearly the uh, Chicago Bears and the LA Chargers uh, are the next the next best. Um, and I think, like like we touched on earlier, if nothing else, uh, very important for the Chargers and Brandon Staley and Justin Herbert to get a win on the board, um, and and have have the type of performance that that we've all expected out of them for years. Um, this should be a dominant win to the Chargers, but yep. you you couldn't you couldn't surely bet on that. Um, the way that the Bears have been playing, they're they're at least turning up and competing. Um, they clearly don't have the most talent most weeks on the park, but they do have enough talent that if they turn up ready to ready to fight, then you know they're going to cause some issues. Um, and and they've and shown that. Is very interesting. It is, that isn't it? 
very interesting. It is. Especially if, I hear mm. it's, that that half a point, that half a point makes it pretty pretty intriguing for mine. Um, and I don't mind it. I don't mind it. Yeah. And then you finish off with Detroit and Vegas, and I don't understand why the NFL – I understand, actually, I do understand the NFL wants to play a lot of prime time in Vegas, but there's no way the Raiders should be on prime time, no. especially this many times uh, to start the season. I hope they're not on again. They've been really bad to watch. They were disgusting last week, and the Lions will be – should be all over him and, and give him a mauling. But, yeah, very interesting to see how Dan Campbell's team bounces back from that mm. humiliating defeat last week. But um, get the fucking Raiders off prime time, please. <laughs> yeah, good call. I mean, it's – yeah, it's interesting. If Brian Hoyer is my quarterback to watch on Monday night, get <laughs> It's sickening. Like, it's sickening. But uh, you're right, though. Like, the, the, the thought of a team that lost by, what was it, 26 points – Something like 26, 28 points, whatever it was on a lot. Yeah, it was it was a lot. It was it was a big loss. The fact that they're a dollar twenty-ish um on Monday night football, uh I mean it's it's astonishing, but that's what it should be. And and ultimately I think if if the Lions hadn't lost by as much as they did, this would be a dollar ten. I mean, the Lions mm. should win by so much. The the line is only eight and a half in this one too. And I'm tempted there. To, to to play that while it's over a sorry it's while it's under a, a touchdown and a field goal, like they should be winning this by two or three touchdowns. The Detroit Lions, um, yeah, they're really two interesting markets. I think that I'd, I'd probably have a play out with the Bears at the at the plus and um, and the Lions at the minus. So mm. maybe a little bit more betting talk than we expected. But um, <laughs> yeah, any anything else that jumps out at you? It makes up for our lack of take bag because we're not going to have one tonight. Um, no, I didn't do one. Nick's Nick definitely didn't do one, and no, um, <laughs> no definitely. And the man needs some well and rest, and uh, needs to kind of commiserate about the Phillies. So, um, but no, nothing further from me, mate. It was a lot longer than we probably anticipated. We we're going to chat about the games last week, but um, that's what happens when you get too much talking about football. But um, yeah, exactly. Anyway, it's such great podcasts <laughs> as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go pour myself another whiskey and uh, we will see you guys next week. Thanks for I'm staying off. The, I'm staying off the drink at the moment. You probably should. Worried, but you probably I, should. I really want, I, I saw you drinking it. I'm got me very jealous. Well, like I said, it's in the mail. It's coming. If I finally ever get one in the mail. I'll, 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 um, tip one back, I'll, so. I'll call Australia post tomorrow and just see where it is. I'm <laughs> sure where it is. I'm sure they'll know. I'm sure they'll, they always know. <laughs> they'll know exactly where they'll it know is. exactly where it is. Um, Thanks to everyone who lasted this long. I apologize. Next week will be better. Probably. We'll say that now. Probably not. <laughs> Pretty similar. <laughs> but um, try try not to message us this week. We love your engagement on socials, but maybe not this week. Um, other than that, we'll uh, we'll see you next week. Go birds. Go girls.